Welcome to the Mile 99 interview with your host, Jessica Harris, Mike Turner, and Greg Larkin. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the trails. See you out there. See you there. Welcome, everyone, to the Mile 99 interview. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Harris. The Mile 99 interview is a place to hang out with like-minded folks in our running community, share our stories, successes, failures, and your deepest trail secrets. This is also the place to get the latest in local race news and find out what's going on in our community and where to volunteer. Super important. We record live on Zoom and Facebook. One take, no breaks, and unlike the trails, road. <laughs> what is said here is on the record. Tonight, I'm joined by my favorite co-hosts and my very dear friends, Mike Turner and Greg Larkin. Mike, how are you doing? Good. I'm in Tabor mode, San Diego 100. <laughs> Coming up, first time. Jax knows that race. But yeah, we're doing that. And a couple weekends from now, so I'm excited about that. I'm trying to get some heat, doing some sauna work, going out in the afternoons. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. Where are you going to the sauna? Up in Grass Valley. It's called Vila Massage. It's a hippy-dippy, patchouli-smelling place up there in the mountains. Um, but they got a cool, they got several sauna options. They got packed deals, so I go up there. Have you done it before? Any heat I, training up there? Yeah, I, I usually go up there. Uh, I have the last couple of years I've, I've done it. Whether it helps or not, I don't know. But, you know, in my mind, it helps, so it helps. Perfect. Greg, how's it going with you? Doing pretty good. Um, been doing a lot of climbing lately, so I'm feeling pretty good. Um, and, uh, yeah, to follow up from last week, I ended up uh, posting my fundraising link to the Mount Washington Road Race coming up in a few weeks. Um, and I just want to thank everybody that responded and pledged some money. Um, it's going straight to a great cause, uh, Northern New Hampshire Health Services for people who are underserved uh, with medical services. And um, yeah, I'm super excited to uh, to get out there, get up that one hill. <laughs> How are you so doing, Jessica? We'll get that. We'll get that link posted on our Mile 99 page too. I missed yeah, it, but that's so exciting. Yeah, I'm excited, and uh, yeah, it's a great cause. Awesome. You, you know doing? what else? You know what else is a great cause? The mile 99 interview. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, what I'm doing is so much end of the year stuff for my children. And I would I'm in a good headspace for training and stuff, but maybe our guest tonight can help us. But like single parenting and getting some miles in, it feels tough. So I'm doing good, but gotta keep going. So yeah, that's what we're going. We're going to roll right into our thank yous. We have some huge thank yous tonight. Our newest Patreon is Richard Wilson and Danny Murphy from Ultra Pacer. We thank you guys so much for your donation. It really means the world to us that people support us and want to view our content. So we really thank you. And as a huge thank you to everyone who's ever logged in or ever watched us listened to us, downloaded us. Our Patreon, our post shows are free for all of May. And we've had some killer episodes. Uh, we had Beth Lang, we had Craig Thornley and John Katz. We're going to have a mayor and mentor unofficial of Forest Hill tonight, Jack Meyer. So all that content is going to be free for May, just as a huge thank you. We do whatever we can to give back to you guys. So we're going to give you some extra content. If you're listening tonight and want to hop on, our post show will be free and everyone is welcome. So we'll make sure that Zoom link is posted and you guys can join our Zoom for our post show. 
We also got a huge, huge donation from Chaz Shea and the Canyons crew. Really appreciate your guys' support. We are rolling up our, I don't know, we're just saving a bunch of money because we got to get some outdoor equipment to make sure that our live stuff is crystal clear. So all, all the donations and stuff is really making the difference to us. Really appreciate you guys. We have our Venmo. If you guys aren't up for doing a monthly reoccurring, our Venmo is at the mile 99 interview. Any donations are appreciated there as well. Really, really thank you guys. Ah, feeling so grateful for me. So that's all our mile 99 news, but I know that our community is bustling. What's going on, Greg? Well, uh, for sure, this weekend is Memorial Day. So, of course, we're going to have the uh, Western States training runs um, starting, well, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, so anybody signed up, uh, you probably already know, you'll get to see the last 70 miles of the course. And you'll be seeing maybe for the first time some of the effect of the mosquito fire and uh, the swamps we had over the winter, but also as we discussed last week, some of the amazing trail work and restoration that's been done by hand uh, by so many volunteers out there um, in the uh, the various districts that uh, the, the race runs through. So drink it in. Um, you know, if you're in the race, uh, just like really get into it and um, just keep prepping for that race day. So it's going to be exciting. I'll be out there on Sunday at Cal 2. Uh, and I'll be out there Monday at ALT uh, doing some volunteering. So I'll look forward to seeing all of you out there. It should be a lot of fun. And on Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday, they're going to be showing um, A Race for the Soul, which is a documentary about the 2001 Western States. Its location is now at the Rec Park Gym instead of the Auburn State Theater because of some issues they have um, of some repairs they're making at the theater. Uh, it still starts um, a meet and greet at 630 and then at seven o'clock is the show. And it's pretty short, less than an hour. So feel free to check that out. It's just a great way to see a bunch of people. Um, there's a little panel discussion and uh, just kind of get you all psyched up for the race. Uh, just a great thing to have as part of the weekend. And then we start rolling into June. There's plenty of races before Western States. If you're not in that race, um, you know, you've got uh, Marin Ultra Challenge uh, June 3rd. So 50K to 50 miler. Um, there's also Mo Bartley's continuing uh, Trailheads training program through Fleet Feed in Sacramento, uh, getting people ready for blood, sweat and beers. Uh, cool Moon, June 10th and 11th, with, uh, our, our friend and uh, race director um, in the Auburn area. Martin Singo. Uh, so he is uh, just amazing. He's been doing so many hundreds this year. He's going to San Diego with you, Mike. Um, I know that. And he's got bad water he's training for, and he's putting on a hundred mile race. Um, so <laughs> definitely somebody to support any way you can. And he may still be looking for volunteers. So please check out coolmoon100.com. Um, Body Fitness has triathlons going on all summer for um, like actual swimming and aqua bike. Uh, so kind of like a combination of um, swimming and cycling. Uh, so June 10th and 11th, uh, definitely check out totalbodyfitness.com. Broken Arrow Sky Race, big one up in the Tahoe area at Palisades Tahoe. So June 16th, 17th, and 18th weekend. Um, that's going to be huge. They've got the vertical K. They've got you know multiple distances up to 52K, I think. Although 
I don't know what the course is going to be like this year, mostly snow, if not all snow. So it should be amazing. I hope they, um, they have some live streaming this year. I watched it last year. It was so cool. And, uh, and then we get into Western States, 24th, 25th, um, still check out Western States uh, website for any volunteer opportunities. They're still pushing hard on the, um, the trail work. So if anybody can get on there, volunteer for some last minute trail work, it is needed. Uh, they're working hard on every section, uh, heading back up the trail to the start that direction up to the snow line, essentially. So um, anybody that has uh, some free time, please check that out. We're going to do the pre-race update. Um, and then uh, after that, we take a breather and then we're going to roll around <laughs> the Tahoe Rim Trail um, in July. And we'll be doing a briefing there on July 10th. And then finally wrapping up July, Blood, Sweat, and Beers, July 23rd. And anybody that wants to join up with our guest a couple of weeks ago, Beth Lang and her crew, uh, they're going to be camping out for the weekend uh, in August, late uh, August, I guess, 18th through 20th for Tamalpa Headlands 50K. So kind of like a camping weekend and a race weekend combined that she's putting on. Uh, so uh, get in touch with her if you want an invitation to that. And then after that, I mean, I just, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the fall too, but we'll get to that at some point when it cools off. <laughs> And I just wanted to mention, um, we have Cool Moon Race Director Anne on our show, and she wanted to let everyone know that anyone who's not doing the Memorial Run this weekend, Trail Running Adventures has a Cool Moon training run this Saturday, and there is going to be some exclusive Cool Moon swag there. Um, so join their Facebook group if you have not already, and they have a big group run. No runner gets left behind. Super inclusive. Cool Moon really, really need some volunteers. They just put more um, registrations up. So awesome. yeah, we're, we're looking forward to getting, getting some information from her. Um, she's, yeah, she's a super enthusiastic, you know, member of our community and I'm sure she's just going to get all the information out to everybody that, uh, that needs it. Um, great local race, you know, real grassroots thing. So anybody that's not running that again, uh, check out their website, see if there's volunteer opportunities there. We'd love to support them. All right. Well, that's it for now. And oh boy. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on for sure. Lots of news, lots of things happening. But tonight, we're going to put all that aside because we're down here. We're going <laughs> to chat with the unofficial mayor of Forest Hill, Jack Meyer himself. Whether you're, you're new to the trails or you're an old goat, you know Jack. You've seen him all over the mountains with his trusty cattle dog. Maggie. He's always helping somebody out. He's always pacing, crewing, volunteering somewhere. In fact, last weekend, he was down in the Eastern Sierras, crewing a friend at the Bishop Sierra 50 Marler. So please welcome to the show, Jack. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. How are you guys? Good, good. Good to see you. Yeah, enjoying the cooler temps for this coming week. Oh, man. It was like 72 here in Colfax today. It was shocking. And this morning it was like 50. Yeah, I finally got out for my first run after some dental surgery, so that was a good thing. So, back at it. Yeah, man, great. Uh, well, good deal. Let's jump right into it. And what everyone wants to know yes. is your story. Everyone knows you now, but where are you from? Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I was one of the last babies born at the old Highland Hospital, which is was out near Roby Point, kind of between the White Railroad Bridge and the top of Roby Point in that area. And um, so born in Auburn, lived in Fort Sill all of my life, other than four years in the Navy, uh, mainly in San Diego. And um, 
Yeah. So been around the Western States and Tevis races basically since I was a little kid. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't realize there was a hospital over there in that yeah. part of Auburn. Yeah, it was small. It was uh, not much bigger than a like a family clinic per se, but. Huh. That's cool. And yeah. And then even the other hospital in Auburn, they're not making, they're not doing babies there either, but either way. So you, you moved up to Forest Hill and then you started running or your parents moved there or what? I know. Well, actually try to make a long story short. My uh, grandparents uh, came over on my father's side, came over from Europe in 1913 and right where driver's flat road turns off to go down Rucky Chucky, that big meadow there, clear down to the gravel parking lot and a little bit of, on the north side of the road, my grandparents homesteaded 60 acres there. And my dad inherited it. Mom and dad built a house there. And in 1970, the Bureau of Land Management was taking up all the land for the park district for when the dam was going to be built. So basically, they used eminent domain with a little bit of cash thrown in. So when I was six or seven years old, basically seven years old, we moved right up into Forest Hill, about a block and a half down from California Street. Yeah, yeah that was a big effort back in the, when they were in the late 60s when they were associated foundations up on some of these ridges of old houses and homesteads yeah. around there. Huh. So you moved it up to Forest, you moved to Forest Hill and then you started, uh, you started running, but you said you didn't, you didn't really run in your 20s, right? You started running later? Yeah, I never ran in high school or anything. I didn't start running basically until I got out of service. Then I was working nights. And after I get off work, you know, you're tired, but you're wound up. So I just go run a couple miles. And then um, I enjoyed it. And like when I was a kid, we we were always hunting and camping and hiking and everything. And I'd go out in the woods and just take off following an animal trail just to see where it went. And I uh, always enjoyed being out like that. And um, yeah, I didn't start really running until I was like 29 years old, 25, 26 years old, and then just run a few miles here and there and then didn't sign up. My first race actually was um, like a half marathon over north of Carson City, basically along the friendly road at 395. And uh, I thought that was fun and easy. So then I signed up for a 50 miler. And um, that was a real learning experience. <laughs> And that was in the uh, early 90s, 92, you said? Yeah, 92 is called the Pony Express 50 miler over at Cameron Park. Uh, like one and a quarter mile laps around the lake, basically flat on a decomposed granite trail. And it was July 26th or 27th that year, I believe. And it was 107 degrees. And I never ran over 13 miles. And uh, so... I started cramping up really bad at about 22 miles and couldn't hardly walk. And uh, basically, I went on and finished the race. It took forever, but Helen Klein, if if you know her old timers, her husband used to be the race director of Western States and Rio Del Lago and so on. She was there, and at the time, she was about 20 years old, 30 years older than me, and she said, hey, go on. You have time to finish, so I finished, but I couldn't hardly walk for about four days. And uh, swore I'd never do another ultra. And I didn't for about five years because um, I was raising my daughter basically as a single parent. And um, then I got back into it in 1997 and I haven't stopped since. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that, was that, that so the run around the lake? Were you close enough to the lake you could go swimming during the during the loops or? 
Well, you had you could have a crew at the start and finish line. So like every mile and a quarter laps and a friend of mine was just putting the ice packs on my quads and calves for about 30 seconds each time. And uh, yeah, I gutted it out and finished it. Got a slow time. It took me almost 11 hours. And uh, I didn't know, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, and swore I'd never do another ultra. And since then, I've done a few of them. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. And so you were <laughs> so you were in your late 20s, early 30s, and you you starting to run a little bit. And you got back into running, and then you're. How, is that when you started to see? You lived near the Western state, so did that kind of inspire you to to start thinking about longer distances? Oh, absolutely. Um, so my parents' house, where I grew up, after we moved up from Drivers Flat area, um, like I said, I was six or seven. The old Western States course used to come right past their house. We, we were the house, big brown house, on the right, right where uh, Main Street and Forest Road so roads split and go parallel so the old course used to go past our house and you know back then there was only you know a dozen runners 20 runners whatever and they go past the house and then they go down about a half mile past Wharton's market and turn left and go down through there and down to quite a flat and um rucky chucky that way and so as a young kid, I thought, what a bunch of nuts, you know, and, and uh, who would ever want to run 100 miles? And as I got older and then started running myself, it got intriguing. And then I thought, oh, one day I'm going to try that. <laughs> so your what was your first uh, 100 miler? Well, my first my first 100 miler attempt was States. And. You know, like I said, I, you know, like most reviews, I didn't know what I was doing and uh, had a couple of DNFs there. So living in Fort Hill, I thought, God, I can't have three DNFs in a row. I'm going to have to move out of town out of shame, you know. So then I went back and did Vermont 100 miler and that was my first 100 mile finish. And then I didn't finish States. I didn't get a States finish until 2005. So I think States was like my third or fourth 100 miler. Yeah, so it was, I think uh, Vermont's on Greg's list, right, of things you want to get done one day. So cooler, maybe a little more, less terrain, less uh, elevation, I guess. Yeah, a fair amount less elevation change, but it can be hot and humid, as you know, back there it can be. But fortunate for me, the year I ran it in 2001, I believe, uh, we had thunderstorms most of the time, off and on through the day and night, and it probably got never got over like 75 degrees, and at night it was nice and cold, so I was in heaven. It was a lot better than the heat and humidity. Oh, I bet, yeah. And so it sounds like you were you were starting to run and doing some races and learning how to do it, your successes and failures like all of us get into, and then, uh, and then it seemed like 06 is when you – things really got big for you. I mean, that was your year. You decided to go all in. And that was a huge year, what they call it, the, <clears throat> the Grand Slam of Ultras, huh? Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to do the official Grand Slam, which is States, uh, Leadville, Angeles Crest, and Wasatch and or or no Vermont and or Old Dominion and I didn't get into Wasatch so I thought I'd do my own Grand Slam and uh, I did States, Leadville, um, Auburn Trail and Angeles Crest 
And um, so I thought that was just as good. I just didn't get the plaque. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, multiple hundreds in a year. You know, it's just it's just tough to keep going from one to the next because you you don't really recover. You just got to you keep the train going. And you were in your early 40s at that time, right? Yeah, 63, 70, Yeah, like 44, 43, 44. Yeah. Yeah. So out of those Grand Slam, you know, what did you like? Uh, what was the most, uh, you know, that you enjoyed the most or is the most challenging? Uh, well, I enjoyed finishing all of them, <laughs> but uh, I liked Leadville, or no, I didn't do Leadville that year. Um, I think I just like being able, you know, being the average Joe ultra runner and uh, being able to pull off 400 milers within the equal amount of months, about four months time. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, since you started your 100 mile journey <laughs> with a, a couple failures to begin with, did that did that ever like haunt you? Did it motivate you? Especially when you're in those big pushes like that, was that a place that you referenced? Like, I'm not going back there. I'm stronger. Like, was there anything you pulled from those experiences in the early days? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think they haunt you and motivate you actually. Um, you know, it's still hard to talk about. Um, cause I have a lot of pride in my finishes and, over the years, I have seven DNFs, and four of them are at Western States. My first three attempts were DNFs, and so that's why I was, uh, earlier, you know, I had two DNFs in a row, and I thought, I can't have three in a row that just crushed me, and I'd be embarrassed, you know, in my own hometown. So I went back and did Vermont, and then came back, had another DNF at States, and so then the next time I got in, uh, I got in for 2005 and I just trained my toe off. And of course, a lot more experience. I knew what I was doing and um, went out in 2005 and had a very good race. Everything went perfect. And when I crossed the finish line at Placer High School, I didn't only get a monkey off my back. It felt like I got a gorilla off my back. And so that was cool. <laughs> I think a lot of people have those stories when they're leading into Western States. It is such an iconic race. People do have a lot of things on their back and stuff to prove to themselves in their community. So I don't think that is um, just a, a you thing. It is inspiring and is so relatable to so many people. Um, and we sure love watching you finish races, no matter if it's Western States or the bear <laughs> or whatever. It's so exciting every time you step up, Jack. So we really, we're proud of you. We love it. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Western States is tricky. And you you ended up doing it, uh, you did it in 05, then you kind of just did it several years in a row at that point, huh? Yeah, and then 06 was um, exactly the opposite of 05. You know, 05, I pretty much had a flawless race and everything went as planned. Every picture of me, you know, I'm smiling and having a good time. And in 06, it was an inferno year, you know, and it was 112 in the bottom of El Dorado Canyon, and I don't do good in the heat. So basically from the start to finish, it was just a death march. And, uh, but I wasn't going to quit until I collapsed or missed a cutoff. And I had great crew and pacers. But every picture of me, I had my head between my legs throwing up and uh, just having a rough time. But I went on and finished, which over half the field didn't that year, because I think they just went out and uh, 
didn't respect the elements and I had to monitor myself as good as I possibly could to even have a chance to finish. Plus I had a wonderful crew and pacers. So with a team effort, I pulled it off. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of races that are hot, but there's nothing like the heat in that Canyon. It's just a different kind of hot, like on Olmstead, it gets hot and Auburn, it gets hot. Southern California, Arizona, it's hot, but in the Canyon, it's, it's almost like it's, it's bouncing off the walls. It is intense down there. Oh yeah. And then, you know, when it's that hot during the day, it like in 2006, it stayed hot all night long. I remember going down Cal street late at night, you know, like 11, 12 o'clock at night walking and it, you're just sweating like crazy. Cause it's still, you know, 90 degrees or whatever, but it is what it is. <laughs> it's, it's the challenge. That's why we sign up, you know? Well, since you're our official feet on the ground in Forest Hill, I mean, there from this Mosquito Ridge fire, that whole area is, there's no <clears throat> coverage. Like where those people get a little bit of reprieve coming into Michigan Bluff by going down to Eldorado Creek. It's pretty exposed now. What do you think that this year's going to, we're going to see from that area? Oh, you know, I was, I've talked to several people about this. I was actually mentioning it to Craig Thornley a couple of weeks ago. I think it's, I think with a lot more of the exposed area and a lot less shade, like in El Dorado Canyon and especially Cal Street um, down, like halfway down to Cal 2, uh, it's really going to change the dynamics of the race. Not only the middle of not the middle of the pack on back so much, but like the front runners, you know, back um, before the fire, when you could only see the person in front of you going down Cal Street by maybe, you know, 100 feet, 200 feet. Now you're going to see them for a quarter mile or so, or, or even more than that, a lot of places. So, you know, if you leave Fort Still in third place and you're feeling good and your crew said, oh, you know, Scott left in second place a couple minutes ago and you see him going down Cal Street, you're going to be able to reel him in. And so it's, I think it's really going to change, like for the top runners, it's going to change the dynamics of the race and who runs smart and who pushes trying to catch a person, you know, they can see a quarter mile ahead of them. So. Interesting, interesting angle. And then where does the, the mid, mid of the back of the pack, when does it get dark for most people? I guess at Forest Hill or past Forest yeah. Hill? Yeah, if you're like a 26, 27 hour runner, you can get down to about how one before it gets dark, you know, down somewhere along there, how one a little after that, how two. So, yeah, so the middle of the pack on back won't, won't have to deal with the fire is, you know, the burnt section down to Cal One so much, but El Dorado Canyon is uh, going to be a bear for everyone. <laughs> well, you know, what I did know about the heat and nothing really is going to be more effective on a hot race like that than well-protected feet. And what I use on my feet are actually Njinji toe socks. <laughs> Today's episode is coincidentally sponsored by Njinji, which is just a weird coincidence, but they're the original innovator of the performance toe sock. We're all big fans here of the show. They help prevent blisters, keep your feet dry, <clears throat> move naturally, whether you're running, you're walking uphill, you're crying down Cal Street because you're hot and you're sick and tired and your stomach's hurting. At least your feet will be in good shape. And they currently have a cool new line of artist design series where they have cactuses and all kinds mm -hmm. of cool, cool artistic work. The current uh, collection is by... Kika McFarland, it's called the Canyons Collection, which is appropriate for 
you know, that hot section of the trail. So check it out. You can get a discount if you use our code on the website, enter it into the little box, mile 99. It, it sends you and it opens up a discount code. You put that in at checkout, get 15% off. So thank you and Gigi for sponsoring this episode and keeping my feet happy. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be an interesting year. And then the snow is going to be tricky. So, I mean, a big snow year and a hot year. It's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, kind of, kind of like a fire and ice year, probably. Yeah, so I want to chat about your your next big year was the California Slam, and that was, I mean, you were year after year. Once you got in the mid two thousands, you were just you had several just huge years in a row. In fact, I remember when I first started running at the Auburn Running Company, there was this article on the wall, and it was like <laughs> five hundred miles. And I I read it through the window, and I was like, "This is got oh, fire." There's this article in the Auburn Journal that was posted on the on the store wall for years. And I, I remember reading the article and I didn't know who you were. I was like, that guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 2006 was a, a big year, too. I remember if, uh, my friend Molly and I were coming down from Deadwood on a training run um, early in the year or late in 2005, I forget. And I said, hey, wouldn't it be cool to do all the 100 milers in California in one year? And she goes, you're crazy. And I go, well, I didn't say I was going to do it. I just said, wouldn't it be cool? And then it kind of planted the seed. And, you know, back then you could pretty much get into races a couple months in advance. So that planted the seed. And um, so I got into States and finished States and then just went from there. And uh did the other hundreds plus tall rim trail and um, had a lot of luck involved in that and just finished all of them and was the first one to do that. Catra's done it too. She did it a year or two later and she had to sub- substitute tall rim trail for uh, Angela's Crest because Angela's Crest got burnt out that year, I believe. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a it was a big year. <laughs> so I don't know if I got the order right, but it's Western States, TRT, uh, Headlands 100, mm-hmm. and then Angeles Crest, and Rio, and then San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, two of those, I think, uh, AC and, and Rio were back-to-back weekends, which uh, about killed me. Uh, Karen Framnes can vouch for that. I, I um, She was my one of my pacers at Rio the weekend after Angelo's Crest and um, and that was a little different course than it is now, but still um, the bottom part the same. So from the dam overlook down to Bill's Point, um, I had no legs left. I was running on empty and um, I actually just barely finished. <laughs> but yeah, I got through that and then a few weeks later did San Diego and um, capped off the California slam. Man, that's something else. It's hard to imagine all those, all those hundred milers. Um, so, you know, we, I, one of the other ones you, I know you like a lot is that I did a few years ago, I, I did the bear and that, that was always one that, and we, we chatted with you a little bit when I was leading up to that, mm-hmm. I asked you some questions and uh, you were saying that's one of your more favorite courses. Oh, absolutely. It's um, even nowadays it's low key and, you know, you get a good old, old school vibe and it's a beautiful high elevation course. You're just out there in the middle. Once you climb up the first climb, you know, out of Logan, Utah, then you basically don't see a, another house like, you know, to the last five miles when you look down onto 
uh, Bear Lake. And yeah, it's just my favorite. And it's in the usually like the third week in September. And it's absolutely beautiful with the, the trees, you know, the fall colors and stuff and the red maples and aspens. And it's just a great race. I just love it. I, I'd like to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm going back out there to pace this year, so I'm excited to go out there and see a different angle of it this year. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's probably easier to pace than to uh, run the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about not running it for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, and we usually have a lot of folks, a lot of folks from my area going out there. It's, it's always a big turnout. You usually see six or eight or ten people from the area out there running. Yeah. So, so, you know, uh, a couple of things I want to chat about is some uh, some of your advice for new runners, because you had you filled a questionnaire and it's really good. You've been around, you know, you've done a lot of races. You, you're helping, always helping people out. You always have good advice. But I think what you said was that don't be afraid to ask questions, you know, ask about anything and everything and pick the brains of all these old timers. Uh, and that's that's good advice. Just ask questions. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of newbies per se, are um, afraid to ask questions, you know, even though they want to. But, you know, I think all of us ultra runners, we're a great community and it's we're all easily approachable. If you have a question about something, walk up to someone and ask and, uh, and ask several people, get different opinions. And then you just go out and try and see what works best for you. Yeah, especially with gear and different types of products. There's so many types of products and some people like a handheld, some people like a full-on vest and there's so many options of clothing how to that's like these we have a lot of community runs in the area with wednesday night thursday nights tuesday tracks like a lot of opportunities to run with people of different backgrounds and during western states is fun because you have people out there from all over the country that'll be hanging out so yeah ask questions and uh get out there another thing you said is that push yourself push your limits you know don't get in when the pain starts and you, you'd be amazed what your body can do if you just push a little harder yeah yeah, you know, because being around the ultra running scene for years, you see a lot of people, not necessarily just newbies, but, you know, some veterans too, they, you know, when they start hurting, you know, say at mile 50 of a 100 miler and they start hurting, you know, regardless of stomach issues, blisters or whatever, they just kind of throw in the towel and, you know, that's fine if that's for you, but I don't, I think a lot of people if they push themselves, you know, you can get through those things with a little bit of help or a little bit of mental uh, training too. You, you, you can just go further and just keep going. As, you know, unless you're in really bad shape and danger in your, yourself, my motto is just keep going and, until you miss a cutoff and realize how far you can push yourself. And then next time, you know, you can work through that and get a little further. So. Is there a particular type of stress that has been a, a hard for you to overcome where you took you a little while, whether it's heat or coldness or chafing or. In uh, overall or any particular yeah, race. Or... In your career, what, what's been the challenge that you've had to like really put some effort into to figure out. Oh, the heat mixed in with uh, getting bad stomach issues. Yeah. There's been a few races where I've, you know, pushed too hard early on and um, got myself in real big trouble uh, with stomach issues and they were just uh, thrown up for many, many hours. But um, you just, you know, wash your mouth out, keep drinking and stay hydrated and keep moving. 
I think that's really good information for people. Um, even people who've done it a long time are going to get a sour stomach and you just kind of figure it out, put your best puke forward. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a couple good stories about that. And one of them I'll tell, uh, one year I was running tall Renshaw 100 miler and so was Karen Framnes. And during the night hours, um, well, at about mile 65, I got really sick. I got some bad soup that wasn't what it was supposed to be, and it set out my stomach. And so I was a, anywhere from like 5, 10, 15 minutes ahead of carrying a lot of the night, and I just wretched and just real loud and um come to find out after the race, it, it scared Karen Framnes a, a few times. Her pacers, her her pacer told the story he said oh yeah karen heard this heard this god awful noise and said a bear there's a bear on the trail and her pacer would say i forget who her pacer was but her pacer was keep telling her no that's just jack throwing up again and so it's a fun, funny story to tell <laughs> uh that is funny because i i know the sound i've heard that i've been under 100 miler overnight and someone's like in the middle of the woods and you're like what is that noise <laughs> yeah miles away Oh yeah, so it, it's that's a funny story, but <laughs> so what's the, what's the strategy for heat to not get sick? Well, just um, hold the reins in a little more, you know. Just when you start getting overheated, you know, back off a little bit. And um, sometimes it's hard to do that, you know, when you're having fun and you want to keep going. But uh, just back off and stay hydrated and keep up on your calories and you know use the creeks. To cool yourself down like especially at states you know i've there's people that don't want to use the creeks because they want to keep moving but that'll cost them down the road you know or down the trail rather yeah depth is, is a trade-off getting your core body temperature down what i mean in the heat is what i've been told and so that'll be the thing laying in the creeks and get your core down yeah well, i've seen people do the like ice around your neck or in your bra or your pants or whatever to really like immediately drop your your body temp down so i know there's a lot of tricks those bandanas that people stuff with ice and hats and stuff i think um are trending now people take care oh, of yeah. a lot better than they used to yeah and, and you, you see that a lot more nowadays than you did in the past and you know a lot of people yeah the ice bandanas the you know use your arm sleeves to stuff ice in to just cool down the blood in your veins and stuff and ice everywhere you need it and come put it. <laughs> yeah. So I, there's a lot of, um, you have a lot of stories, but, and I always try to pick one thing that kind of defines this person's journey or something, but there's so <laughs> many for you, but something that is really appealing to me is that you were a single parent and your daughter, we love so much. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> She's watching right now. Hi, Lindsay. Um, and I just, how, how did, I mean, how did you manage that single parenting and you had some races and, you know, like even though kids are out of your house and maybe have their own kids, you still are their parent and she's a runner now. I mean, that must just be like it, an awesome experience for you guys to share that. Oh, absolutely. Like when she was young, you know, as the saying goes, it takes a village. I was a single parent, but had real good neighbors nearby that were like her second parents. And that if she didn't go to a run with me they babysit, you know, for the day or the weekend. And uh, they were real good. They were, like I said, like her second parents. 
And yeah, and so then being around the races and stuff, it got in her blood, I guess, like everyone else's. And she actually, I think her first experience that was really cool was um, she paced me. So I think she was only like 15 at the time at um, for like the middle five or six miles at Vermont 100 miler. And then she ran in like the last five or six miles with me. And she's ran in with me every year at States I've done and other races. And then she started doing ultras, you know, like 30 Ks at first, like down rodeo beach and stuff. And then going up to uh, the ultras and she just did a uh, silver state 50 K this past weekend, which I missed because I was down at Bishop. Uh, and I want to shout, give a shout out to my friend, Caitlin, who, did Bishop, which is a very hard race and hot and everything as her first 50 miler and she crushed it. So, uh, yeah. So, and again, this year, Lindsay's attempting tall run trail hundred miler in July. So I'll be there pacing and crewing for that too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Any? It's a dad's dream. I was just going to say it's a dad's dream. Hope my daughters are listening. Yeah. I think it's, it, it, yeah. go ahead. It's a parent's dream. I mean, I always like everyone sees me with my kids at every aid station, but are any of them going to like it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm getting input like, okay, at 15, have them start running me in. And then it'll just be like, I have it. <laughs> yeah, it gets in their blood. And, you know, it is. I mean, we've, the past few years, we've done a lot of longer trips, training runs together and stuff. And then, a few races and you can't, there's nothing like it. You can't beat it. It's the most awesome father daughter time you can have probably or mother daughter, mother son. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love those kind of stories. Yeah. And to having your kids, uh, my daughters have been to my races and it's just fun to have them there. And even to, you know, you can even inspire adult children by, you know, you, when we age, we, you can still inspire your, your kids even at my, age but anyway uh other things you've done i want to chat about i saw the trans rockies on your list i had a friend that did that a few years ago i'm looking at stage races myself and trying to pick one how is how do you enjoy that that uh, stage race oh absolutely loved it i would love to do it again i i um put out a thing i think on facebook back then or maybe a group email asking if someone wanted to go do it and jamie frank who i think you guys know said, heck yeah, I'll go do it. And so her and I went to do it as a team and it's like summer camp for ultra runners. Awesome event. You know, you go out and run for a few hours, come back in the evening, shower, eat dinner, then hang out with people from all over the world. And um, yeah, I'd recommend it to anyone. I'd, I'd love to do it again, solo or uh, with a partner. And it's, it's a very good event. And cost-wise, you know, for six days, it's well worth it. So you were teams. I mean, do you alternate days, or each day you alternate distances, or how? That oh works? no! As a team, uh, you run. You both run all six days, and I don't know if the rules have changed since then. That was like in 2010 or 12. But um, you have to stay together during the day. Like if you're if you're running as a two person team, you have to come into the finish line each day within like five minutes of each other. So it keeps you together. You can't separate and just take off you know, and finish two hours ahead of your uh, buddy. And like at Trans Rockies, you know, on the second day you go over Hope Pass, which is on the Leadville course. And each day, they have, they still have a three-day, I believe, which you used to only 
do solo, I think you can do it as a team now, but um, if you do it, sign up for six days because each day it just gets more beautiful and more beautiful and more tougher. But, um, you know, you get six days of hanging out with a hell of a good group of people from all over the world. And it's um, a great event. Like I said, I'd love to do it again. Yeah, I'm definitely looking for uh, a stage race to do here. Hopefully next year is the plan. So yeah. uh, that's good. I think I think I thought it was maybe three three days these days. It could be three. I'm not sure. I'll look into it. But and you went to Switzerland as well. You you've been all over the place, Jack. <laughs> well, not as much as as I want. You know, everything costs money. But uh, yeah, I went to do uh, the Iger Ultra Trail a few years ago. I think 2019. And um, even though I, I had friends uh, involved in the race that live over near Grindelwald where the race starts and finishes, and which is absolutely the most beautiful place I've ever been. And I've been quite a few places, but um, it's a very tough race. Like they say, you know, Europeans don't believe in switchbacks, either go straight up or straight down. And I knew what I was in for. My friends had told me about the course and I went out and hiked some of it a few days beforehand, but it progressed, it progressively got hotter as race weekend came. And, and, um, so make a long story kind of short, I started cramping really bad about mile 17, just got off a of cramp. So I turned it back a notch and figured I'd get rid of them. Never did. And I timed out at 53 miles, which really sucked because the last 10 miles were was basically the easiest miles of the course and I'd already hiked it a few days before but it's the most beautiful race I've ever done and that again I'd like to go back and at least do the 50k maybe not the 101k but um even though I timed out and it's a DNF it's was still just amazing yeah yeah we've had lots of folks going overseas the last couple years and it's, it's just, yeah, the pictures are just, they're like screensavers on your computer. It's just hard to imagine how big those mountains are out there. Oh, yeah. And uh, speaking of screensavers, anyone listening in, punch in Grindelwald, Switzerland, and look at pictures. And like my little hotel was right across the street, literally from the start finish line. And I'd set out on the deck in the morning having breakfast or dinner in the evening and look right across the valley to the north face of the Eiger. And it's just, it's magical. Wow. Uh, and then it kind of leads us into the big races. You ended up, you, you took a stab at your first 200 miler. That was something else. That was a few years ago as well, huh? <laughs> yeah, 2017, uh, Tahoe Rim Show, or Tahoe 200 rather. And that, uh, for going into it rather under trained, I had a really good experience. Um, well, for the most part, but uh 99% good experience I had wonderful crew and pacers and just top notch and I only had one low point and that about did me and I came into heavenly at 104 miles and sleepwalking hadn't slept any yet um not on purpose anyway and um my legs were just killing me my lower legs and I literally had tears in my eyes and I told Lindy I go I don't think I'm going to make it out of here, kiddo. And so having great crew and pacers, I ate a bunch and slept for two hours. They said the first hour I was like a dog having a nightmare, just shaking and everything and twitching and dropping tons of F-bombs. And then the second hour I was just comatose. And then I got up 
ate a bunch more, grabbed my pacer at the time as Tom Tadlock for that section and took off up out of Heavenly and never looked back and had a a, a great, sorry, <laughs> had a great race overall. And, um, I wanted to go do, I had such a good experience. And, you know, up there, you look around every turn, it's just more beauty, more beauty. Oh, and yeah. I was so happy and had such a fun time overall. I wanted to go do Moab a month later, but I only had one day of vacation left and I had to use it for a wedding. <laughs> oh, well, someone, someone's lucky. Some soul, some couple was lucky you were there, but. Uh, so, you know, the 200 distance, uh, you, you mentioned sleepwalking. I've done that too. It's alarming when you're actually walking at night and you wake up and realize that you're walking at night. That's spooky. Yeah, my friend Kelly was uh, pacing me at that time, and she kept about the last five miles coming down into Heavenly. She kept saying, Jack, stay awake, stay awake. And I, I go, just give me 30 seconds to lean up against the rock and close my eyes. So she literally put her hand on my chest. I was out cold 30 seconds. You know, I just laid up, leaned up against a big granite rock. 30 seconds later, I she said, okay, let's go. And then I went into the aid station and um, I think after that, the whole entire race, I never really slept walk after that, but that was like, um, that was enough <laughs> sleepwalking before that. That was the first night? Yeah, yeah. And did you sleep the consent the other couple following nights? Uh, I slept a couple more times. I slept for a total of four hours and 15 minutes, uh, and it took me like 90 what 93 hours I think to finish somewhere around there and but yeah I just I took a I slept for about an hour and a half at Brockway Summit and then I took a I could have went on after that to the finish without sleeping but I wanted to finish in better shape you know so I took about a 45 minute nap at Tall City and uh, then went on from there so like four hours 15 minutes total. Lindsay just posted in a Facebook chat. She said, pacing him to the finish at Tahoe 200 meant asking him over and over if he was awake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was fighting it. I, I was awake, but not by much because I finished uh, a little before sunup uh, that morning. And, you know, it was a real struggle. And, uh, yeah, she paced me the last 10 miles, at which time she was like four and a half or five and a half months pregnant. And uh, so that was really cool, too. <laughs> wow. And now I'm being told Lindsay um, wants you to talk about the milkshakes. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, milkshakes, when you're running long distances, they're good for you. A lot of calories, fat, protein, and they're filling. And during the course of Tahoe uh, 200, I think she bought me like 12 milkshakes Wow. Two, two, two alone, just a tall city. She met me over at the golf course where you come down off the rim trail with a milkshake. And before I got to the aid station, like, you know, a half mile away, I had finished that when I asked her to go get me another one. So, yeah, so I, I had a lot of calories just drinking chocolate milkshakes during the race, but plenty of other food on top of that. But, yeah, the milkshakes are always a story. <laughs> yeah, you can't go wrong with with milkshakes. That sounds. I could eat a whole carton at an aid station, probably of ice cream. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So, what? How do you train for? Uh, what was your training like for two hundred? You did a stage race, it, you know, so you had some experience with multiple day events. But what was your plan? 
Well, my plan was for my plan was for Tahoe 200 was to get more training in than I did, but uh, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. And my biggest training run leading into Tahoe 200, three weeks beforehand, I went up to Squaw Valley and ran up over the top, connected the PCT and ran out to Echo Summit, which is like 53 miles. And I did that solo, finished um, about an hour after dark. Lindsay picked me up. And uh, so that was my longest training run. So I did, I got in a few, you know, 30, 40 mile runs and just a lot of power hiking stuff because you do a lot of that at the 200, um, at least for the middle of the Packer. But um, yeah, you just go out and train and do, you know, back to backs, you know, even if the second day is just power hiking. And, um, but I'd like to do the call again and um, go into a better train and see if I can knock off a couple hours. But hard to do that when you get older too. <laughs> yeah. What would you do differently? What did you learn about the 200 distance that you would go back and switch up? Uh, not a whole lot. I picked uh, a couple of people brains who had done a couple of 200s. So I didn't go into it naive or anything and was experienced, but I think about the only thing I would do differently is I would take a couple hours sleep earlier on. Yeah. 100%. I would say the same thing. Sleep early, sleep often. Yeah. The, the one reason I didn't sleep earlier is just in my mind, I wanted to get a little past halfway before I slept, which heavenly was 104 miles and Paul 200 is actually like two, two, 205.5. So it was just a mental thing. I wanted to try to get more than halfway before I slept, which um, wasn't for me. I think I would have rather slept for an hour or two first at um sierra tahoe you like you know around 100k mark first and when you slept did you have a crew or did you use did you use any of their sleep stations oh no i had a crew like i I had a great crew mike holmes and Lindsay were my crew chiefs and mike had a a pop-up you know a 10 by 10 pop-up with two walls a propane burner stove and you know it it was just like pulling into a rest stop and a, you know, a, a nice thick blown up mat. Um, and yeah, I had everything I needed, great crews and pacers. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds, yeah, it sounds like it was a good time. And if you go back, you can uh, get some time off, you know, and see if you can cut that down a bit. Yeah, hopefully. And if not, I, you know, just another finish would be cool. <laughs> yeah. I think you would try any of the other 200s and the, there's a, a lot more popping up. There's a new one in Oregon. There's, Arizona has one. You think you try any any other place? Oh yeah, I, I definitely like to do the others. Um, not all in one year, but uh, I'd like to do Bigfoot because everyone says it's a little harder than Tahoe, and uh, so I like to try it. And it's more remote, I think. So it'd be fun to try Bigfoot too. Well, I guess we'll have to get you back on the show because we're already at an hour, which seems crazy. <laughs> but with Maggie 100- wants to, Maggie wants to come on next time. You need to pull her on for the post show. Okay. (laughs) The fans are wanting Maggie, but I was just going to say with 137 races on ultra sign up alone, and we only talk for an hour, we will have a post show and everyone is welcome. The zoom link is on Facebook. Anyone who's listening on the podcast, head over to our Patreon if it's in May and it's for free. We love it. (laughs) But before we wrap up in mile 99, it's what we do here is our rapid fire questionnaire. Jack, are you ready? 
Sure. Okay. What's your favorite local trail? How local? To you, I guess. Uh, I, I think my favorite rave run section, my favorite trail, I'd have to say the PCT between uh, Sugar Bowl and Squaw Valley. Awesome. Nice. No one said that before. That's fun. <laughs> we heard about the milkshakes, but what are you eating after a race? What's your favorite post-race meal? Oh, man, it, it kind of depends on how my stomach's feeling, but usually just a burger and a IPA. Lovely. Carbonation helps. And yeah. then do you have, I guess we did hear about Bigfoot, but is there any other bucket list race or adventures that you have tucked away? Well, there's one I like to do that's been on my radar for years, and I just haven't got around to doing it, which Mike did last year, the year before, uh, Superior 100 Miler. I like to do it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. The coolest thing was uh, being in a different forest. To me, that, that was, because we run in the Sierras, with, well, we know our, our forest, but it's a different forest. And that was so, it was so exciting to see different rocks and trees and yeah. erosion. It's just, it was pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah. And it's great for, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say real quickly, it's good to do different races. Don't just do all the locals travel and see different places and different races, different people. I love that. And then our probably most controversial question, we might know the answer <laughs> to it, but you never know cats or dogs. Dogs without a doubt. <laughs> any particular type of dog <laughs> Queensland, Queensland healers <laughs> all right everyone that has wrapped up an hour what do we have coming up um our next we're off next week and then our episode 97 is with Anne right before cool moon we're going to get to know the co-rd for the cool moon races so that's pretty exciting she's so awesome after that we have the Western States pre-race briefing with us, which will be really, really great. Wonderful. We'll see everyone at Western States. I feel like everyone's there. Can't wait to see everyone. Um, and anyone who is watching, again, you're welcome to join the post show. It is free content for you guys. If you want to throw some dollars our way because you love the content, uh, join our Patreon in June. It'll be back up for just a dollar. And our Venmo is at the Mile 99 interview. If you want to send any a one-time donation that way we really thank you if you're watching us for the first time follow us we have a lot of good guests um we're the mile 99 interview across all platforms we thank you guys so much for joining us thank you jack we will see welcome. you on the post show and we'll see you on the trails thank Bye, you guys. see you on the trails Thanks, everyone